DJ and PK, time to talk with Kirk Cragthorpe, covering Utah Golf for Fairways Media and the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Kurt, good morning. Morning, guys. Good to hear your voice, Kurt. Uh, mutually, it's good to be back on after uh, six months, I think. So you retire and then the whole world comes to a stop. What'd you do, Kurt? How did you do that? Yeah, the, the, the problem was that if sporting events had continued, I would have felt left out. So this this way, I'm I'm not missing anything, basically. And not only that, I get to cover golf, which I enjoy doing, and is basically the the one sport around here that's still going on. So yeah, it, it, it definitely is my fault. <laughs> yeah, I can recall. You know, obviously, I've spent hundreds if not thousands of hours with you over the years and you were talking about the weirdness sometime in the fall of not being involved in like for for instance the jazz postseason and sure enough we don't even have a jazz postseason or yet anyway maybe we'll hopefully we will have it later on this summer uh as far as the golf goes you know we know that the pga has come back and uh you're doing the other stuff that's in the state but it's going to be a bigger tournament that's what is that this week or next week when what's going on with that right the the corn ferry tour which is in essence the triple a tour of the, the pga tour it's really better quality golf than that which i've tried to convince people of for the last 30 years that it's come to utah but the Utah Championship is being played at Oak Ridge Country Club in Farmington this week, so so I'll be up there. And the irony of this is, uh, if everything goes well and I cover all four days of that tournament, I, I will have done six days of live sports coverage, which probably is the Tribune high for the last 100 days. So I'm still setting records, but uh, not, not to jinx anything. But but there, yeah, it's it's going to be a little bit weird. Uh, there's never been a million fans attend this event, which is a, an, another subject in itself. That I think people just haven't been aware of the quality of golf. But the point being that, that fans are not allowed on site, even Danny Summerhays' many relatives uh, won't be allowed to come and watch him play. So it'll be kind of weird there. But the, the Golf Channel will be there televising, so at least we'll have the kind of the look and feel of a, a real golf tournament, and it's always fun. You know, one thing you are always famous for is you could keep track of everybody with any Utah tie and what they were doing and where they were and what was going on. And it's easy enough to keep track of a few, but you kept track of more than anybody I knew. And this field has people with Utah ties in it. And they really have intriguing storylines. It's not just that they're in it, but for where they are in their career, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. There's literally guys from age 17 to age 50 with Mike Weir uh, using this event to tune up for the Champions Tour. He's already turned 50, obviously, uh, six weeks ago, but but the senior pro golf tour hasn't played since he had his birthday, so... He, uh, he has yet to make his debut, and that actually won't even come until the end of July in Michigan. But but he'll be there, and, and then young Preston Summerhays at, at 17, uh, the two-time state amateur champion and the reigning U.S. junior amateur winner has a sponsor exemption, and, and he'll be fun to watch. He, I'll be surprised if he doesn't make the cut, actually, because he's that good. 
I agree with you on the quality of golf. Now, I have not, uh, in full disclosure, been up to Oak Ridge, but when it was at Willow Creek, which is just a couple of miles away, I would go every year on a Saturday afternoon, and the quality of golf that they play, I mean, you know, you, and we actually we broadcast a few times, and we'd be over by, uh, I don't know if it was the 10th or the 1st. I know DJ and I were out there. And you'd watch these guys, and you really can't tell a difference <laughs> the, uh, if, as you watch them. You know what between the the high-ranking tour players and these—I don't know if I can call them up-and-coming players, but whoever they might be. There's not a huge difference. The quality of golf is some of the best in the world. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. People do say it's the, the second best tour in the world ahead of the European tour. And, and yeah, I've always been fascinated by pro golf. Uh, it's kind of similar to baseball in some ways, but, but in golf, you, you, you get a score every day attached to your name, and so it's a little bit easier to measure the talent. And, and it's such a fine line. It's, it's just staggering to me. To, to look at guys who, who never quite make it and, and try to figure out what what they lacked and the answer usually isn't is not much uh, just just a tiny fraction of ability that that separates a, a guy who can sustain a PGA Tour career and, and a guy that never makes it out there or 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 doesn't get out there and, and can't stay I mean that's that's the other fascinating part to me about the PGA Tour is, is it, it's one thing to get there, but then you, you start at zero dollars every year, and you're trying to to uh, reestablish yourself. There's no multi-year contracts for a, a guy coming out of college, for example. So, so yeah, it's really really intriguing to me to to try to determine what the difference is. But but to your point, I've always said you could you could have somebody stand on the range and tell them they're they're at the U.S. Open and and to watch the players hit shots, you'd have no choice but to believe that was true. So is the the winning score in this tournament usually, regardless of what course it's at, is somewhere around 20 under? I mean, guys, their talent and the elevation, it's amazing how many birdies they're going to make. Is there a course in the state, and a lot of things go into whether a, a course can host a tournament, is there a course in the state that just based on the course these guys would struggle with? Or are they so good that they're probably going 20, the winner's going 20 under wherever you play it? Yeah, I, I think that's the case. And, and I think that's part of, and not all of, the explanation why Utah's never had a, a top-level PGA Tour event is that there just isn't a course that can truly challenge these guys. Uh, Johnny Miller, when he built Thanksgiving Point, thought it would be a, a tour quality or even a USGA quality test and, and they played the, the Corn Ferry Tour event out there for two years and and, and they played it at 7,500 yards or something like that and guys you're just still shot I, I don't know exactly what the rooting score was I, and I also think they played it par as one less than usual turned one of the par fives into a par four and, and guys still shot 16 under or whatever to win it so so yeah it's, it's just amazing uh and and of course like oak ridge is kind of short to begin with and uh man these guys will shoot phenomenal numbers the other the other part that's interesting and again it goes 
back to the idea of how tough it is to make it out there. Yesterday they had the Monday qualifying at Talon's Cove in Saratoga Springs, and for the average person like us, it, it's, it's all the tests we want, and, uh, and you had to shoot 65 just to get into a playoff to uh, advance to, the, to Oak Ridge, and so... Man, there's just there's just so many good golfers out there. It's, it's it continues to uh, boggle my mind. And on the flip side, there's so many bad golfers out there that it continues to boggle my mind. And they're usually right ahead of me when I'm playing, <laughs> or, or or right with you. You never know. <laughs> So I watched the last couple of weeks, you know, because like you and me, DJ and Hatch, we're starved for live sporting events. And so we're watching it. And to me, I adjusted rather quickly to the no fans because it was about the competition. And we haven't had it for so many months and weeks and all that stuff that, you know, I'd prefer fans to be out there and, and the noise and the clapping and all that stuff and in the hole, all those idiots who say that stuff. But I did make the adjustment fairly quickly. How do you think it'll be when you cover a tournament with no fans, recognizing that there wasn't a ton of fans anyway relative to a PGA event? Yeah, it'll be kind of weird. I think they don't even have gallery ropes at uh, Oak Ridge, they, they talked about doing that just to kind of make it look like a normal tournament setup, and but I don't, I don't think they'll even have the ropes, and, and so, so it's, it's funny how that kind of just gives you the aura of a, a real tournament when when you stand outside the ropes. Uh, apparently, they're going to let us stand on the cart paths, which are about 20 yards from the green, and and so yeah, it'll it'll be weird to just be walking out there on the course alone. And to your point about the TV, I, I thought about this, that, that golf is probably the one sport that you watch on TV that you don't really think about the fan presence. Now, obviously, with the Ryder Cup or something like that, where they're just going crazy, it, it kind of creates that atmosphere. But but to watch those tournaments at uh, Colonial and Hilton Head the last two weeks, it kind of didn't, you didn't think about fans not being there except when you would hear someone yell from their balcony of their house or something like that but but yeah it, it seems like golf is the one sport that that doesn't need fans to provide the tv studio atmosphere if that makes sense and so if, if it comes to that in in say college football it'll be interesting to compare the two that way i, I obviously i think you would notice in football that, that fans are not there, but but less so in golf for sure. Hey, you mentioned Mike Weir earlier. He's going to be playing in this tournament. And have you heard any scuttlebutt, any rumors about when the, the senior tour might start again and he might be out there? Or is that something that's uh, not just on the back burner but off the stove and outdoors on a picnic table or something? No, they definitely have that schedule. It's, it's July 31st in uh, – Somewhere in Michigan, I think it's at uh, where they used to play the Buick Open, mm. and uh, so yeah, so that's that's definitely uh, ready to go. But but the the PGA Tour champions will of all the basically all the the main leagues, so to speak, it, it will be the last one to to come back for whatever reason. But but they're definitely on board for July 31st there. So so Michael gets some maybe eight or so tournaments this year to, to get started on that circuit. So the transition to no fans for me was pretty easy in golf, as I just said. And we've got some sports coming up uh, 
to one degree or another. Basketball is going to start, and I think baseball will be shortly thereafter. From the viewership experience on the couch, do you think that it's going to make much of a difference as far as no fans? I, I really don't because, uh, I mean, it's kind of fun when they, when they show the fan reaction shots uh, on television and, and you kind of get a sense of what it's like to be there, but but as far as but ninety percent of the of what you see is just the the playing area anyway, and so so I don't I don't think it'll be affected all that much. Uh, again, I mean the the reason you go to the games is to experience that atmosphere, and so you're you're already sacrificing that, or or you're not you're 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 doing without that if by staying home and watching it. So you're, you're removed from it, I guess, is what I'm saying. And, and so if you're going to be removed from it already, you probably don't even notice that it's there or not there, if, if that makes sense. So I, I think that as far as watching games from your living room, I, I think that experience won't be that much diminished. Yeah, there's the uh, the roar of the crowd we all get used to as a putt starts, a long putt starts tracking to go in and all that. And I wonder if you miss that or if you'd rather be able to hear the players occasionally, regardless of what it is they might be saying. Yeah, that part's been kind of fun, whether, whether they've actually been mic'd up or, or just have the boom mics out there in the fairway picking up on the conversations with the, the caddies. I, I've, I've enjoyed that aspect of it pretty well. So what's typical day like if it doesn't involve golf for retired Kurt Craigthorpe? Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I, I, will, I will say this, that these six months, of, even COVID aside, have, have kind of been the most interesting thing I've ever gone through just because you, you kind of picture what it might be like and then, then you find out that there's a few different psychological phases you go through in terms of feeling left out or or relieved. I, w- I will say this, that the, the happiest day of my retirement was the day that the Morgan Scally and Caleb Loner news broke within about an hour on a Friday afternoon. I finally said to myself, okay, do I need that stress? No, thank you very much. <laughs> Josh Newman can have all that. But uh, yeah, see, so the psychological part aside, the practical side is I, I have discovered that it, that it is true that uh, you, you kind of do find self-worth from working a little bit. And so uh, my latest thing is I've become a slow-pitch softball umpire just to <laughs> give myself some uh, schedule and something to look forward to. But yeah, it's, it, it's been interesting. Well, what league do PK and I have to sign up with because we want to have a beef <laughs> with the umpire? <laughs> Ironically enough, my next assignment will be in the Sandy Coed League, where I once competed against Jackie Kinahan, <laughs> who was an outstanding player, I should have. So, yeah, a team needed somebody. They didn't need me. They needed a woman. <laughs> well, it, it happened to be a, a talented woman, so she was a good acquisition. No yeah. So I didn't get to play, and I was pouting, and she... She got to play, but I do think, you know, I've had a pathetic athletic career, I must admit, but one of the highlights was playing for the Daily Breeze Lee, uh, team in, down there at, uh, in Torrance. I actually got ejected once from a game. I'm, I'm proud to say I got ejected. 
why does that not surprise any of us? <laughs> now, can I, am I allowed to give the details, DJ? Absolutely. Yeah. So we had a pitcher, and I was playing third base. Because as everybody knows, I won the gold glove at third base at Thunderbird High my senior year. I only had three errors and 55 chances, and one of them was a Baltimore chopper into the sun at Moon Valley High, home of Ozzie Virgil and Richard Jefferson, and their field faced the west. So in you know professional ballparks, you, you, you can't look into the west. And so anyway, the ball got uh, lost in the sun, but I got charged an error. So nevertheless, I'm playing third, and we had a hothead pitcher, and... He is arguing with the umpire, and the umpire comes back and or comes out to the to the not a mound, just the pitching rubber, and they start going at it. And I go over to the umpire. I said, "Well, why don't you go back to home plate, and the argument will stop." And he said, "I don't want to hear anything from you." And I looked at him, and I gave him like, "You got to be kidding me." I gave him a puzzled look. He ejects me, and the next thing you know. The argument, the heated argument that the pitcher and the umpire were having, it totally went away because everybody on our team fell to the ground laughing so hard that I got ejected. And all I said was, why don't you go back to the mound and then made a funny face. <laughs> and and you're with the ejection, if you got the one ejection, you had to sit out a week. If you got two, they suspended you. And I said to the umpire, I said, how could you throw me out for that? He said, yeah, I know. But I already threw you out, so I can't undo it. But I'll tell you what, I won't report it so you don't have to sit out next week. That sounds fair. <laughs> you want to tell all the ejection stories now? Entertain Kurt. Reward him for coming on. What, what other ejection stories? Are uh, didn't you get someone else ejected once? Oh, yes. I got the high school baseball coach at uh, Jordan ejected uh, <laughs> a few years back. The umpire missed a foul, a, a ball that went down the third base line. He either called it fair or foul, and it was, uh, it was obviously wrong. Our guy, uh, a guy named Ron Anderson, who was the most beautiful example of a high school coach that I'd ever been around, uh, just a marvelous, marvelous Christian man. You'd want him to mentor your sons, every single one of them. He was just just a jewel of a person, still is for that matter. He goes out and argues, and it was clear that they blew the call. And I was standing uh, between home plate and the dugout. All the people who were standing, sitting in the stands that could see it right down the third base line, they're screaming and yelling. They, uh, uh, Ron gives up the argument and tells the guy to go back. And he said, I got the call, and I made it right. And Ron's walking back to the dugout, and I'm standing behind the fence to the left of the dugout. And I said, no, you didn't. You missed the call. He thought that it was the coach of the team. He ejects the coach. <laughs> and you know that moment where you used to have the Southwest commercials where everybody's looking at you, want to get away? All of a sudden, I had the eyes of the entire ballpark looking at me because I said, no, you didn't. You missed it. And he ejects the coach. And the coach looked at me. You just got me ejected. And again, you, you're, you're subject to suspension. Well, I used my uh, influence with the Utah High School Association and told them that it was me who said that, and I got the first base umpire to verify it, so they did not have the, sus the ensuing suspension. And after that, that was when uh, somebody in my family was just a freshman. After that, I learned it's probably best that I watch the games from down in left field. <laughs> Never said a word the next, the rest of the, the rest of the time. Those are two 
great stories. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have any, be sure to call us and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> That's our guy right there, Kurt. Huh? One of a kind. Absolutely. Who else could pull that off? Well, Kurt, we appreciate a few minutes in your busy uh, semi-retirement to uh, stop by and talk a little golf with us. It's been fun. Glad to be back with you guys. All right. We'll do it again. Thanks a lot. Okay. Kurt Crankthorpe, you can still read him. He's still writing. He's covering golf in Utah for Fairways Media and the Salt Lake Tribune. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. According to reports, all Jazz players except for Bojan Bogdanovich have returned to Salt Lake City as they begin training in earnest for the resumption of the NBA season. The Toronto Raptors arrived in southwest Florida to begin their preparations for the restart of the season next month. The reigning NBA champs will train at Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers. That'll be their home base before they travel to Orlando July 7th. Washington Wizards forward Davis Bertrands will sit out the NBA's restart in Orlando as a preventive measure as he prepares for free agency, coming off his best shooting season as a pro. He has previously had two ACL injuries in his career and expects to cash in during free agency. That's your back-to-basketball update, presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. I have my own concerns of what happens when 40,000 students return to campus and they're going to parties and they're living in close confines and dorms. You know, as a chance of kind of a recipe for disaster, but they can't not have school. There's too much on the line. So they're going to welcome students back. They're going to play college football. I think the thing that we're starting to grapple with with college football is we might start the season on time, but we might not finish it on time. Because if Texas has 13 players, that's positive during voluntary workouts, fine. It doesn't really affect anything. If they have five players that's positive uh, the week of the Oklahoma game, those five players can't play. Anyway, they came in contact with them, that's quarantine. You know, does that lead to the cancellation of the game? It's going to be the weirdest season ever because I think that that's going to happen from time to time. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show at the warehouse on Thursday from 2 to 7, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! All right, PK. Now, we were discussing earlier this morning how much coronavirus news do people want? How much do they want us discussing racial issues and social justice? And after a segment without either of those... We're back, baby. BYU, half an hour ago on Twitter, on their official Twitter feed. BYU's planning for uh, an in-person fall semester starting August 31 with a hybrid of in-person and remote classes. The decision is subject to change depending on trends and guidance from state and local government. Yeah, I don't want to discuss politics too much, but I am going to Phoenix to attend Trump's rally today. You are not. (laughs) 
You're not. Be awesome to see him on the grandstand right behind Trump, though. And have PK just go hog I hadn't thought about that. I was thinking about him, you know, hanging over the edge of the balcony, pumping no, his fist. I, I want to see. You've him. got him standing there, shoulders brushed. Yeah, exactly. Out, That's what I want to see. Background. Yawning, eating popcorn, applauding politely, golf clapping. Not happening. Uh, well, actually, if it was uh, in the winter, maybe I would go, but I wouldn't go to the rally. I would go to Phoenix. <laughs> Uh, BYU, there's a link of three tweets. You you can read it. Uh, remote coursework options are available. General plans there. For more information on housing, campus services, events, and more, go to byu.edu slash coronavirus. Uh, events is the one that would get our audience's uh, ear there. Yes. Of course. Tell me more about the football events. Yeah, and... And what did they say? They're going to just basically evaluate it at a future time? Correct. As I read it, yeah. I didn't think they said anything that was definitive. No, very open-ended. Keeping the options open. Yeah. So it seems to me, and I'm not a health professional whatsoever, so I don't know, and everything you say relative to this is certainly subject to change. And it might be subject to change by this afternoon, for all we know, let alone uh, September, October, November. But if you can have the games that you can let some folks in, depending on how it's going to be spaced out or whatnot. So uh, my guess is there would be some form of attendance, not near of what we know, and I wonder, you know, as we were talking about that, particularly at the college level, where we're talking about, I don't care that fans are not going to be allowed in at the NBA. Like, she's like, I didn't, I'd prefer that they be there. And I'd, you know, obviously we prefer that they be playing wherever they're supposed to be playing rather than the situation that's going to occur in Orlando. But I'll be so grateful for the competition that it won't matter just in the way that it didn't matter for the golf because I was, it was just fun. Two weeks ago or a week ago, the first tournament down there in uh, Fort Worth, that I I was surprised how geeked I was to watch that. The luster was off a little bit this past week at Hilton Head, but it was still fun to watch on a Sunday with the delay, and it went very late into the evening. As I said, I think it was a quarter seven, because I think they finished a quarter to nine. Uh, Webb Simpson, we had a played a clip of him yesterday. How he was talking about he was texting a buddy to see if he could stay the night <laughs> uh, because he might have to come back the next day for the continuance of the. Now they ended up finishing it, and I think it finished right at eight forty-five Eastern time, so they got the thing done. So I was more about the competition uh, this past week. Last week, I didn't care what was happening; just the fact that they were doing it was. It's like I got a new lease on golf life or sports viewing in a sense. I wonder if I'll feel differently at the at the college level because at the college level and particularly college football, it seems that the fans and the band and the atmosphere and the tailgating it just seems like you know they all go hand in hand with the actual game. And for someone who doesn't really get caught up in that, that takes a lot for me to say. Well, it's true, and that is a big part of the scene. You know, the pageantry of college football. Nobody talks about the pageantry of Major League Baseball or the NFL. We don't really talk about the pageantry of college basketball that much. You know, it's the pageantry no. of college no. football. That's 
you know, that and the Rose Parade are where, you know, the word pageantry gets used. Uh, but I think at the, the same time... and all that stuff. Yeah. I think at the same time, what Kirk Craigthorpe just said about golf, where, yeah, all that stuff around it is there and you see it, but still 90% of what you see is the actual game. And we haven't had it. We'll be happy if we get it. So... I think we'll be embracing that, not noticing the 10 to 15% of the show, right? Because you're, you're watching a game on ESPN. It's some big game. It's maybe not your team, right? But it's some big game from around the country. And it'll always start with the walk. Every school's got some version of the walk. And you're walking between the fans and your fist bumping. That shot's gone because those walks aren't happening. But that's not really going to wreck the game for us. I mean, I guess you could miss it, you know, fleetingly for a second. But it's going to be you know, 24-21 in the third quarter, and it's going to be uh, third and seven at midfield, and this is going to be a big play, and I think we'll be into it. And all the other stuff will be Okay, there, I but, agree with you on that. Yeah. I, I And I agree with what Kurt is saying to a large extent, but I do think college football is different. The, the students... The, and that, that dude at, at uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, when you come down the ramp uh, for the media with five minutes to go... Not not at five oh one. They won't let you pass. But at you know right at five or four, whatever it is, and then you get on the field, and there's that guy over to the right, and he's got his face uh-huh. colored with uh, what the BYU colors. He's yep. got a blue hairdo wig thing. That, it just seems that college football, as you say, the pageantry of all the sports, college football is number one in my mind. And maybe and I'm a college football freak, so. Maybe I'm a, everyone I always say has their biases, so I have my bias there. And I, I just think that that's part of the deal. It's the one sport where you're still storming the field, and nobody really makes a big deal about it. You see it, you know, and whether you got a big game, and last year it was SC. Right, and the overtime win, and you're beating an historic program like USC, and you're BYU, and you haven't had a lot of things to cheer about as much as you used to, and particularly your rivals had a ton of cheer stuff to cheer about. So they go nuts, and they play. We are the champions on the broadcast on the loudspeakers, and it was just a fun, fun environment, and it wouldn't be the same if you didn't have those fans. Now, the people at home, maybe wouldn't be the same. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, it's one of these things that I'm going to have to see when I get there. Because then they show, uh, how am I supposed to watch a game without watching Lisa Wilson either just jubilate or just be in distraught anguish after every single play? Well, they can live stream a shot from her home. And then you can see it anyway. And this, she'll be inset and a little. I know, uh, but there's got to be all these fans around them and all that stuff. It just—it's part of the game. It really is. I think of all the sports, college football, the atmosphere is part of the game. And even though they don't, they do show it sometimes. They they tape it, and you'll see the guys walking in. And you're right. That is part of the deal to me. And this is my my bias and my upbringing. There was nothing cooler, and I've done it multiple times, to see the Notre Dame players leave the chapel where they do the mass and then walk to the stadium. And it's a nice long walk, and it's on sidewalk. And to see dozens deep on both sides uh, watching the players walk, and they're dressed up. 
I think most of them, uh, if I can recall the times, I've been there like three or four times, they're in ties and suits, and they're walking across, and it's just it's just something to see, man. And will that detract from the atmosphere? Because you're only doing it, at most you're doing it eight times a year, right? Nobody has more. Even Ohio State doesn't have nine home games, do they? No. <laughs> so... you're just you're not doing it that much and everybody looks forward to it every year and you're doing it with your buddies you're doing it with your family you're doing it with generations and you're going to the games what do we just have the other day you read something about uh, somebody oh i know what it was when we were talking about dads and why is your dad so awesome and you read something on facebook where they have 18 season tickets yep and they've had them since the early 80s 1982 and they go yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, and it's uh, and it's a family tradition. It's it's not even so much. Clearly, there wasn't a lot of winning during the first part of that, but they kept going. So it really wasn't about the winning. It was about the experience of going together and doing all the things that you do. Now, of late, they've been having great times and winning, but that was almost what that was thirty plus years ago, and they weren't winning, but they were still doing it. So it clearly wasn't about the winning. It was about the experience. And will that be taken away? That's a significant blow. I guess I'll notice it most during the games when there's a punt. <laughs> the punt the ball. Punt, and they'll follow the, the, the punt and the ball's in the air. And behind it, you'll just see the empty upper deck, right? <laughs> there's not going to be anybody there. Maybe there'll be a few people scattered through. And then you wonder, you know, watching SEC games, in between plays, they always have the tight shots of the students, and they focus on the pretty co-eds yeah, with all the makeup, yeah. the hands clasped in prayer, the tension so thick, you could cut it with a knife. And what are they going to do? Maybe there'll still be a few people there. I guess it'll depend on you know, the well, team that, and how it works. Yeah, that, and, and that'll be interesting because, to me... The, the number one priority, and but they're not paying the number the amount the highest amount of money should be the students. Those are those peer they're their peers, and I know when I went to NAU and ASU, I knew guys out on the team, and I would go to the game. They were my guys, you know. They went uh, they they were fellow students, and I knew some of them personally that I had gone. I knew that when I went to ASU, I knew the quarterback. I played high school ball with them. And and when I would see him on campus and whatnot, we would talk. And of course, I wanted him just like I did for my high school team. It was that. That's one of the reasons I got into son of a football is I knew some of the guys. I had them in class, and I knew some of the kids that that I had played with because a lot of them were, you know, they played football and baseball. I didn't. I played freshman football, but I I played four years of baseball, and so I and I competed against some of those guys. And you root for them. So what are they going to do? I hope that they give a fair representation if they have a fair amount of student or uh, uh, fans in the stands that it's just not all the big money people and the students are left to watch it from their dorms or campus apartments or whatever. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Jerry Brewer, Washington Post sports columnist, is going to join us in 15 minutes. His thoughts on pro sports going forward. He's written a column on that. We will get to that coming up. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, PK, I put a poll question up. I've been shamed into it by Twitter. I did put up as a question, uh, do you want to hear crowd noise piped into your NBA games or do you want to hear the players and coaches? And somebody, This could have been a poll question. So now the poll question is up there. But then it got me thinking, well, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the roar of the crowd just because, you know, somebody hits a long contested three and you want to hear the crowd erupt? So you want that replicated and they can pipe that in? Or do you want to hear, you know, the strategy, which is kind of what I was thinking, conversations between players and coaches. You'll hear coaches, you know, trying to get guys' attention on the court to, to move or do whatever or, you know, watch some open shooter or something. But then I started thinking – well, what people really want to hear is Joe, Joe Engel's sarcasm, right? His, uh, his trash talk, his cheap shots, whatever he's got to say. What do you really, for the people who want to hear, what do you want to hear? So that's up at Twitter. David DJ James, go ahead and vote. Yeah, I don't know that I want to hear anything. I don't want it to get in the way. I don't want those guys to be hindered. So I think uh, during the actual situation of the games, I would prefer that nothing be heard. Because I want them to be free to do what they do and coach the way they coach and play the way that they play. But if they know mics are going to pick it up, then it's not going to be real. It's not going to be authentic. So rather than hear bogus stuff, I'd rather hear nothing at all. Would you like them to do what Premier League has done and pull it from a video game? That's what the soccer is. Anything, no, anything that soccer does, I don't want in American okay. sports. Sounds but good. Just as a general rule, screw them. <laughs> Just on principle, well, we got it. Yes. Right now, yeah. the roar of the crowd, 4.5%. All the strategy, 13%. Joe Ingle's sarcasm, 81.8%. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get it. I, I think he's going to realize that he's going to be mic'd up, essentially. And so you're going to get a watered-down version, so it's not going to be real. It's just not going to be that way. Uh, I think these guys uh, should be able to be free to do what they want. Like John Rahm took abuse, you know, and Jim Nance had to apologize because Rahm said the F word uh, on Thursday of the first tournament uh, last week. Well, that's the way John Rahm is, and he said it, he said what he said, so I don't think anything less of him, but I don't think it's fair to put him in a bad light. And I don't want these guys in the heat of competition to be viewed in a bad light because they said something that they normally wouldn't say if they're having dinner with friends or meeting somebody or in an autograph session or whatever it might be. But you put them in the competitive environment and things are said, but it's not really who they are. Uh, they're, they're very nice people, but, you know, they get in, a, in what's viewed as a stressful situation. You're trying to win a ball game, and it's the heat of the moment, and obviously things are said. And I think you can understand most of the – a lot of the players, man, they say stuff, and then after the game, it's over because they recognize they say what they say in the moment because they're all worked up. You can see it. Guys go face-to-face. And then after the game, after the series, 
It's like, eh, well, you know, that's just whatever. Just, that was then. That was now. This is now. So they they move on from it. Got comments rolling in here. Love your show, DJ. Love listening to you and PK. You guys do an awesome job. I understand you're trying to hype up the return of the NBA, but many fans just can't get excited about it. Yawn. Well, many fans can. So I guess it depends on what you think. I'm into competition. And if they're going to have competition at the end of next month and into August, I'm going to watch it. It's unusual, yeah, but I'm going to grant them a pass and an exception because of the situation of what it is that was forced upon them by this issue. But the fact that they're competing, I mean, why wouldn't I be involved in it? Why wouldn't I be interested in it? I don't understand that logic. Well, I don't really understand the trying to hype up. You know, we can't really sell something that people aren't interested in. We realized that a long time ago. It's what we were talking about earlier in the show about playing the hits. We know what the hits are. We can't make the hits. We can't create the hits. Yeah, I'm not going to give you false enthusiasm. I'm going to be excited. I said that I was surprised how much I was into the golf in Fort Worth. So I'm anticipating, because that caught me by surprise a little bit, I'm being true and honest, my guess is that I'm anticipating the return of basketball, and so it won't catch me by surprise because I'm going to be excited about it because I was excited about some tournament, The what was that, uh, whatever they call it in Fort Worth. Now, Col- I don't even know what uh, they call it. It was a colonial, that's the course, but they, Charles some, Schwab. Some insurance thing? Yeah, yeah. So, Okay, Schwab. some investment thing, yeah. So, really, who cares about that? It's not a major, right? I'm not, I'm not even going to remember next year who won the darn thing. I'm not even sure I can remember who won last week. <laughs> but never, it was competition, and I haven't had it, so I'm going to be excited. I'm not pumping it up. I'm just being true to myself. If you don't like it, it's like, it's like I said this stuff about the, the race stuff. Stop preaching to me. I know what's right and wrong. You don't have to tell me. Same thing here. I know I'm going to be into it. I'm not trying to sell you on anything. If you're not into it, fine. Don't be into it. But I'm going to be into it. If you choose not to be into it, fine. Don't care. DJ and PK coming up next. NBA to Orlando. Is it a platform or a distraction when it comes to social justice? Should the NBA players want to play, or is it a mistake to go there? Jerry Brewer wrote a column for the Washington Post, and he is going to join us next. Stay with us.